You're listening to the LMCC Podcast, a ministry of La Mirada Christian Church in La Mirada, California. Here's Pastor Joe Barsha with this week's message. Last week, we ended our True Meaning series uh, with Jeremiah 29.11. We talked about passages of Scripture that, with the purest of motives, we've taken out of context to fit our lifestyle and to fit our needs. And we finish with Jeremiah 29.11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we learned last week that Jeremiah 29.11 was part of a letter written from Jeremiah to the Israelites soon after they were forced into Babylonian exile. And within that letter, Jeremiah did tell the Israelites that God indeed had a plan that prosper them and provide them a hope and a future. A plan that would bring the Israelites out of exile and back into Israel, their home. But in order for that plan to take place, the Israelites had to do three things, the three points of my message last week. And one of them was pray for and make peace with their enemies, the Babylonians. The second thing they had to do was stop listening to false prophets that only told them what they wanted to hear. And the third thing, does anyone remember it? That's it. Well, that's true. Settle down and have kids. Exactly. Settle down. (laughs) Don't hole up and stop living life until the exile is over. Settle down and live the best life you know how with the best attitude you got and Guess what happened? I can't say this frequently because God blessed the Israelites, but they didn't obey God that often. But this time, they did. They obeyed God exactly. They obeyed. Seventy years passed. The Babylonians were taken over by the Persians, and the exile ended. God now allowed the Israelites to return to Israel. But because the Israelites actually obeyed the commandment to settle in, what did most of them do when given the opportunity to go back home? They stayed. They stayed. They made homes for themselves there. They grew their families there. And some even became wealthy and successful there. So most of them had no desire to go back to Israel. But like I said, most of them had no desire to go back. And that's where we pick up our new series called United. And taking the Israelites into exile, the Babylonians just leveled, and I mean leveled, the city of Jerusalem, which included destroying its walls. And it became the vision of one man named Nehemiah to unite the few Israelites who did go back home and rebuilding Jerusalem's walls. And I strongly, and I mean strongly believe, that the timeless and practical applications that we can draw from the book of Nehemiah can inspire this church, La Mirada Christian Church, to stand united and do incredible things within and more importantly outside these walls in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. We have a bright future at this church if we obey these applications that Nehemiah gives us. So let's start at the top, Nehemiah 1.1 on the first slide. The words of Nehemiah, son of 
Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the, I didn't name my kid that, I promise, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. Let's leave it right there. A few moments ago, I mentioned that some of the Israelites, especially the wealthy and successful ones, stayed behind in Persia after they had the opportunity to go home. Well, here in this passage, we find out that Nehemiah was one of those people because of his location, which is the citadel of Susa. And what's the citadel of Susa? Well, I'm glad every single one of you asked me. It's the palace of Artaxerxes, the king of all of Persia. Nehemiah lived and worked there. Verse 11 of this chapter tells us that he was the king's cupbearer the one who inspects the king's food and drink to make sure it's not poisoned. Nehemiah was a rich and successful man who has earned the complete trust of the king of Persia and was living a comfortable life. Nehemiah was doing just fine in Persia. Let's keep reading, verse 2. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. All right, a little background. Relatively very few Israelites returned to Israel after the exile was over. But those that did go home went home to a very, very harsh environment. Just because the Babylonian Empire was no more, it did not mean the Israelites didn't have any more enemies. Because a few Israelites, plus even fewer resources, plus a weak, desolate city that had just been abandoned for 70 years, equals an easy target in the ancient world. The few Israelites that went home to a vulnerable city in ruins tried to build a makeshift wall in order to provide some kind of normalcy and protection. But that wall was quickly and easily torn down like a house of cards by their enemies looking for an easy score. They were just an easy city and people to target. Next slide, verse 3. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are back in the province are in great trouble and distress, uh, disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Jerusalem was a desperate city in ruins. At this point, Jerusalem was already ancient history. A city that virtually all the Israelites living comfortably in Persia had forgotten about. And a few were living more comfortably than Nehemiah himself. Nehemiah was 800 miles away from it all, in a lush castle with a cushy job. But, as we see here, Nehemiah still felt the need to ask about Jerusalem. He still felt the need to ask about Jerusalem. And when he'd heard the terrible news, next slide, he sat down and wept. Now imagine Nehemiah's position with me here for a second. Just imagine it. He was born in Babylon during the exile, so he's never been to Jerusalem. And those who chose to go back, he'd mostly never met any of them either. Why? Because he lived in a castle with the king. 
And after the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians, he rose in rank until he became King Artaxerxes' cupbearer. That means he had the complete trust of the king. That means he lives in luxury in a castle. So if he's never been to Jerusalem, and if all he has and all that he could ever want or need was there in Persia, then why does he care so much? Why does he care? My wife Rachel and I have two kids, Emma, who is almost five, and RJ, who is almost four. And while Rachel and I aren't nearly as rich as a king or his cupbearer, our, believe me, our kids don't want for too much. They don't. Uh, they have a ton of toys. Thanks, Grandma and Grandpa on both sides, right? Their stuff has taken over our house, okay? These kids have virtually any toy you can possibly imagine. But a little over a year ago, when he was about two and a half, almost three, RJ, our younger one, stopped playing with most of his toys because all he cared about, all he was passionate about, all he ever talked about were garbage trucks. <laughs> garbage trucks became his unreal obsession. Okay, garbage is picked up at our house on Thursdays. And so RJ started asking every single day, is today garbage day? Is today garbage day? Is today garbage day? Bud, you already asked four times today. Is today garbage day? Over and over and over. And if it was, if it was Thursday, RJ would sit at the window waiting for the garbage truck to come around even if it wasn't for another couple hours. Rachel and I would tell him, Bud, listen, it's 7.30 in the morning, and the garbage truck isn't coming until 11, all right? But he would hold his ground until eventually and reluctantly he'd walk away from the window. But as soon as he heard the garbage truck, and I'm telling you, he heard it before anyone else could, all right? Better hearing than like trained dogs, all right? As soon as he heard the garbage truck coming down our street, this is what happens. Next slide. You can see the garbage truck in the window, right? And RJ just standing there staring. Now, that is in Rachel and I's bedroom. The furthest window in the house on our left if you're facing out. Why does RJ start there? So that he can follow the truck. RJ starts there because when the garbage truck turns to his left, RJ books it out of our room and heads over to the next window in our house, which is his bedroom. And when the garbage truck passes his bedroom window, he books it out of his bedroom and goes to our first living room window. When it passes that window, he goes around the fireplace to the other window and watches it there. When it passes that window, he runs out into the balcony, stands up on a chair and watches it go by our house. The entire time, he's ooing, and eyeing and giving us a full report on what's going on. Dada, the garbage is going in the hopper, and then when it goes in the hopper, it smashes, and then it goes to the back of the truck, and then the claw goes back, and it goes to the... And I'm like, kid, how do you know all this? <laughs> so passionate. His toys are everywhere, in abundance. His favorite shows, every single one of them, are on demand on Netflix. Any snack he wants is in the pantry or fridge. And this is all he cares about. Why? Well, Argy would tell you it's because garbage trucks are his favorite. That's his answer. 
But if you went up to Nehemiah and said, Nehemiah, you have everything here in Persia. Everything. You've never been to Israel. And you've hardly ever met the people that went back. So why do you care so much about run-down Jerusalem and its walls? And Nehemiah would tell us every single time. It's because what breaks God's heart breaks mine too. He would say the Israelites are God's people, so when they're hurting, God's hurting, which means I'm hurting too. No matter how successful, no matter how comfortable, no matter how busy he was with the king's affairs, Nehemiah's supreme and number one concern was for God's kingdom and his people because that is what hurts God. And what hurts God hurts Nehemiah. And that right there is step one for accomplishing great things for the Lord in this church. What breaks God's heart should break ours too. That's step one. And step two, we'll show you on the next slide. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Step one, align our hearts to break over what breaks God's heart. Especially if we're in a comfy spot where everything is nice and familiar. Next step, fast and pray. Not just prayer, but also fasting. By fasting, Nehemiah is giving up his human need, food, in order to ask in prayer for the greatest current need, which is help to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. In order to, to truly, in order to truly do something great for the Lord in our lives and through this church, we're going to need to put our lives and our comforts and even sometimes our needs on the back burner and ask God in prayer to give us what we truly need to address the things that breaks God's and our hearts. But before we even ask for those things in prayer, next slide, verse 5. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Did Nehemiah ask for help to build the wall here right away? I don't see it in this passage. Because first, Nehemiah realizes adoration needs to come before supplication. Honor needs to come before ask. We need to lift up before we ask for a handout. All our prayers, no matter how big or small, should start with telling how great God is and how awesome He is and how incredible of a promise keeper He's always been in our lives because He deserves it. That's how every prayer should start. And once Nehemiah honors God, you know what he does next? He honors Him some more. Next slide. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you, day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Nehemiah honors God here by imploring that his mighty ear and eye be attentive and open to his servant's prayer. And God's servant isn't just one person because God is so much bigger than that. Who's God's servants? The entire people of Israel. And the same goes with us here, the same point. If we want something great to happen here at this church, we can't only be praying that God gives just us, the individual, what we need to make it happen because God is so much bigger than that. The question is, are we fervently praying for all others in this church? 
Are we? For its leaders, for its other members, for every single person here, are we praying for them? Because Nehemiah and his prayer reminds us that we should. Once he honors God, Nehemiah still doesn't get to his ask. Not quite yet. Next, what he does, he humbly confesses his sin. So humbly, in fact, that Nehemiah identifies with the sin that he didn't even personally commit. Next slide. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are faithful, I will scatter you. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Now, Nehemiah knows he isn't perfect, and he does confess his sin here. But what makes this confession so humble and so incredible is that he identified himself with Israel's sin that caused him to be exiled. Except, Nehemiah wasn't even around when it happened. He could have just as easily said, God, forgive the Israelites for getting us into this mess that caused Israel to be exiled and Jerusalem to be destroyed. But he didn't. Let's go back one slide. He said, we have acted very wickedly toward you. He said, we have not obeyed the commands. He said, we have not obeyed the decrees. He says, we have not obeyed the laws. And if we want God to use us to do something incredible within these walls and something even more incredible outside of it, our prayers need to be united in this fashion right here. No pointing fingers. No assigning blame. No taking credit only when credit's good. United together we stand. And united together we confess. Because then united together we can move forward. It's all or none. Next slide. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. No matter how far away we've gone, And no matter how desperate the situation may be, if we remember who God is and remember the passion He's placed in us to love Him and obey His commands, God will redeem us and God will unite us right back where we belong. No matter where and no matter what. RJ wasn't just excited for garbage day at our house. He was excited for it everywhere everywhere. No matter where he was, no matter what he was doing, if he heard the sound of a garbage truck, he would drop whatever it was he was doing and run toward it. Aliso Beach in South Orange County uh, is one of our Rachel and I's favorite spots, and it has this awesome, incredible playground that's just up past sand, all right? The beautiful, South Orange County waves are crashing on shore, maybe 100 yards away from this playground. Rachel and I love 
to take Emma and RJ to this playground. And one day we were there, and the kids were having a blast playing on this incredible playground. RJ was going through the obstacle course and down the slide. Emma was climbing this mini rock wall and sliding down the fireman's pole. And then on this already perfect day, bottlenose dolphins appeared and were leaping out of the water and playing maybe 50 yards from shore. You could not make up a better scene in a movie. I mean, it was just an incredible, perfect, awesome day. But then... We all heard the noise. A garbage truck was making his way through the Aliso Beach parking lot. RJ, I am not kidding, almost leapt off the obstacle course that was six feet off the ground. I grabbed him, and he is squirming in my arms, frantically saying, Dada, Dada, can we please go see the garbage truck? And just like begging me over and over, and forget the dolphins. Forget the awesome playground. Forget the obstacle course. Forget that leaping off a six-foot ledge isn't a good idea for a three-year-old. He needed to go see the garbage truck now. And so, next slide, we did. <laughs> there he is with me. Dolphins jumping, obstacle course available, beautiful day. No, he needs the garbage truck. And only the garbage truck. No matter where RJ is, no matter the distractions around him, however wonderful they are, when he hears the noise, he goes running. No matter the mistakes we've made, no matter how comfortable we've become as a church, no matter how far we've removed ourselves from God, like Nehemiah said, even if we're at the furthest horizon, if we just obey His commands and cause our hearts to break over what breaks His and put aside our needs to ask for what it takes to do incredible things in this church and more importantly outside of it, then God will gather us all together, united, to accomplish His will and purpose. He will redeem us for our good and for the good of this church just like he did for the Israelites. Next slide. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Redeemed. They are at the farthest horizon, and what did God do? He redeemed them to do something awesome, as we'll learn in the next few weeks. Now, Nehemiah gets to his request. The request of what he needs in order to go back to Jerusalem equipped and ready to build. Next slide. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Specifically, who's your servant in this passage? It's Nehemiah. And whose favor is Nehemiah asking for? The man he's cupbearer for, right? King Artaxerxes, king of Persia. He needs his boss's approval. He needs his boss's support. He needs his boss to be able to say, listen, man, I trust you with my life, literally, as my cupbearer. But I understand your heart. I see your undying concern and passion for Israel. So yes, Nehemiah, you may go. 
you have my blessing. This is what Nehemiah needs to hear. And as we'll find out next week, because Nehemiah aligned his heart to break over what breaks God's heart and committed to prayer and fasting, that it meant he had a good meeting with King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah's passion for what God wanted never died out. So God caused everything necessary to be set into motion. Nehemiah's passion never died out. And RJ's passion for garbage trucks never died out either. He's still going strong. He kept asking if it was garbage day. He kept pointing out garbage trucks no matter where we were. He kept running from window to window in our house, following the truck as it passed by every single time. So on RJ's birthday last year, what do you think Rachel and I got him? That's a good guess. Next slide. A garbage truck for his birthday. You see all the presents behind him? He didn't care about those presents. He just wanted the garbage truck and that fireman's hat, apparently. And the very next garbage day, as the garbage truck was approaching, RJ, as usual, was just losing his mind, right? But this time, when he went to the window to watch it drive by, what did he take with him? Exactly. He took it with him, putting it on the window there. And it was at that point Rachel asked RJ, hey, RJ, do you want to take your garbage truck outside and show it to the actual garbage truck driver? He agreed. So they went into the garage and they waited for the garbage truck to come by because he heard it you know, 37 miles away. And so when it finally came around to our house, here's what RJ did. Next slide. Can you see him? <laughs> you can see the garbage man up there in the corner. He's showing him the garbage truck. And they had this full-on conversation. He, he stopped. He put his air brakes on, and he talked to RJ for like three minutes about garbage trucks and the claw. He even had the claw go for him, and he showed him how it was awesome. And they became buds. And he's been going down almost every week for a while there. The same garbage truck man. They're buddies now. Like RJ with the garbage truck driver. And like Nehemiah before King Artaxerxes, may we just as passionately hold up our plans to God to do something incredible for the kingdom of heaven in and through His church. But in order to do that, we've got to follow Nehemiah's example. Nehemiah led a comfortable and successful life as the king's cupbearer. He lived 800 miles away from Jerusalem, its tattered walls and its few desperate inhabitants. He'd never been to Israel and he'd hardly met any of its people. So even though he had no real reason to, Nehemiah decided that his heart needed to break over what broke the heart of God, and that was the sad state of Jerusalem. With his heart aligned with the heart of God, he fasted, putting aside his needs in order to ask for all that's necessary to bring Jerusalem back to its former glory. But before he even asked for that in prayer, he first honored God and then confessed the sins of his forefathers, which led them to exile, and humbly included himself in their mistakes instead of just placing blame. Then he asked for what he needed, a good meeting with the king that would end with his blessing to send Nehemiah home and rebuild. And church, we have got to follow in that same example today. Any soul in all of La Mirada and beyond that doesn't currently know Christ as their Lord and Savior breaks our Father's heart. 
And it needs to break ours, too. And once that's happened, we need to fast, putting aside our needs for the greater need. And when then, we've got to commit to prayer, giving God all honor, all glory, and all praise. We've got to confess any sin we've committed as a group with no placing of blame. And then we ask God for all we need to stand united as a church and change the city of La Mirada and beyond for the advancement and glory of God and His kingdom. We can do this, church. We can do this. We can change this city for him. Why do we need to stand united as a church and change our community for the glory of God? Why do we got to do it? Because Jesus, God's son, he died on the cross for every person who doesn't know him just as much as he died on the cross for us. They deserve the same shot at forgiveness as we've been given. His blood was shed and His body was broken for them on the outside as much as it was for us here on the inside. So today, as we tangibly remember His death for humankind's sin through partaking in communion, let us remind ourselves of that. That God is for everyone. After Jesus died on the cross for our sins, He rose from the grave so that we can worship a living and powerful God, which is also why in just a few moments, we're going to have a chance to celebrate Jesus' resurrection through praising Him in song and in worship. So during the next two or three songs, as you feel led, please make your way to the tables in the back and partake in communion. You can go alone or in a group with your family or friends, partake in the back in a circle somewhere else at your chair, however you feel led. If you need assistance and you need communion brought to you, please let us know. We have plenty of people in here who would love to help you. And maybe this morning you just need prayer. Prayer for anything. We're here. Speech and judgment free. We're not going to tell you what to do. We're not going to tell you what you did wrong. We're not going to tell you what you could do better. We're just going to listen to your requests, and then we're going to pray for you. And so we're going to have people up front during the next worship set ready to pray if that's what you need. And finally, when you head to the tables for communion and prayer, you can bring your Connect and prayer cards as well as your offerings and tithes, and you can drop them off in the kiosk provided near those tables. But remember, if you're new with us or you've been coming for a few weeks and you haven't met us yet, hold on to that Connect card. Take it outside of the table and exchange it for a gift and a welcome and thanks for being here. Pray with me now as we bless this time of worship and communion. Dear Father, You gave Nehemiah a vision to do something grand, something physically impossible by himself. But God, before anything happened, his heart broke for what broke yours. And then he fasted, putting aside his needs to focus on the greater need. And he honored you. And he confessed the sins of his people and included himself in it before he even asked for what he needs to make the impossible possible. And God, I pray that La Mirada Christian Church would follow in that same example. That we can do something awesome and incredible here as Nehemiah did back then. May we stand united in this purpose. And Father, I pray that you bless today's communion. The blood that was shed, the body that was broken for every single person, those on the outside and inside. 
May we remember that. May we partake believing in that. May we live lives believing in that. So I pray that you bless this time of communion. We lift up and we pray for all these things in your holy and powerful name. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Be sure to check us out on social media at La Mirada Church and online at lamaradachurch.com.